This is David Astle on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Call 1300 222 774 or text 0437 774 774. I used to call them shouty ads and you hear them a lot on commercial radio. Those ads that really yell at you about how virtuous and important the products or the services are. But there is now almost a whisper ad afoot. There's a murmuring going on and there's an unselling. There's a low-key, low-fi approach to marketing that is more about minimalism than it is about extravagance and seduction. But maybe it's a seduction of a different kind. This is a really interesting area of the new marketing. And someone who has been watching this trend happening across the commercial space is Paul Harrison, who's a senior lecturer at Deakin Business School. He joins me now. G'day, Paul. Hi there, David. It's a um, this notion of being kind of inconspicuous. Is it really just a creative gimmick to be noticed? It is about being noticed, but it actually does have a neurological effect as well, which is that it's incongruent. So as you say, marketing is meant to be in your face and yelling at you. When it's not, the brain goes, what's going on here? So I'll notice it. And it's, you know, it's been referred to as unselling or demarketing. It's that thing where it seems a little bit different. So you, you're more likely to notice. And they found in studies that you actually put, give more weight to things that are that, that don't fit the pattern than the things that do fit the pattern. So give us an example of what a product that is taking that unselling line might look like. Let's, let's say for argument's sake it is a, um, uh, let's say a liquid soap. Mm-hmm. And this liquid soap, I mean, is it calling itself liquid soap and, and there's not much more to it than that? Or is it... What's, what is it doing? Well, it's a lot of it is built around packaging. So a big part of marketing is packaging and familiarity. And, you know, I think a, a liquid soap, there's there's some really, you know, obvious examples of companies that have gone to the, to the trouble to actually look quite like a scientific experiment or like a laboratory. And I'm, I'm assuming I can use the brand name of Aesop. I think, I think a couple of brand names might <laughs> yeah, crop up in our conversation. Because we're talking about marketing. Yeah. Um, so I think Aesop have been doing that for a long time. And it is very much about presenting something that looks like something out of a science lab or a, or a pharmacy or something like that. And what that does is it, it does give people the impression that there's something about it that isn't um, fake, that isn't modernism, that is natural, that's organic. And one of the other things that a lot of these brands do is that they put all of the ingredients there, they use, in inverted commas, natural ingredients and no chemicals, when in fact, if you ask any scientist, everything has chemicals, but people respond to that. So they look at something and they think it's organic, it's natural. Sometimes the labelling is even in French. Aesop started in Smith Street in Fitzroy, so it's not really French. So, you know, like Frenchish. The, Frenchish, that's right. I'm sure there's a that's baguette French... shop somewhere nearby. <laughs> I think that's the French end of Brunswick Street. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Can I ask you this? There are a couple of companies, and I, look, I will name them because it's, it's probably only going to be sheepish if we try and avoid mm. names, but a, a company like Bunnings, which seems very much uh, straight up and down in its marketing approach, mm-hmm. it's selling a deck chair, this is a deck chair, and this is the price. Or something like Ikea saying, if you want to build a deck chair, this is, we call it Kimba, and it's a deck chair, and you build it, and it's a deck chair. Mm. Is that also unselling in that it is very plain and very direct? Um, it, it's still selling. Marketers try to differentiate. So it is about saying, how are we different from our competition? So 
it's all selling. It's just different forms of selling. And I think um, both Bunnings and Ikea, interesting thing about Ikea is that there's studies that show actually um, people who feel like that they've put time and effort into building something actually like their products more. So that's a really, that's another part of the marketing of the Ikea product. But keeping it simple is again targeting particular groups of consumers who who aren't necessarily, you know, going to hang chandeliers in their homes and things like that. They're the people who may be driven by price. And so often what happens is that that simple packaging, simple labels and things like that give people the impression they're getting something that's pure, but also something that might be um, lacking the normal marketing kind of guff that people think where, that where the money goes. I have a theory. Mm. I, I think there's something... Uh, beautifully complicit about this unselling approach. It's There's something a bit wink-wink about it, saying, look, we know that we're a liquid soap and we think we're pretty good, but if we sell it low and don't shout at you and throw a few ironic adjectives on, on, the, on the bottle, you're going to get the joke. And in a way, the transaction is about you joining the in-joke of mm. the of the of the campaign is is there any merit in that theory? Well, you know, about fifteen years ago, there was a book called Postmodern Marketing that came out, and it was literally about that. It was mm. about saying you're in on the joke. Um, there, I think one example of that in on the joke is the beer ads that were around for a long time. You know, and it comes up and it says "Made with Beer," for example. You <laughs> in know, big steel vats. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and so again, that's another form of marketing. It's it is that wink wink. It is that. We know that you're being marketed to, but you're smart enough not to be marketed to. The thing is that we like to think as humans that we are able to reflect that we're not being marketed to and we know that we're in on the joke. But it does appeal to us, you know, that this idea that they're they're in on the joke and we're in on the joke. And I think we have to be very careful about being too arrogant to think that we're not going to be tricked because the marketers know a lot, lot more about what works than we do. 16 minutes past eight, David Astle here on uh, ABC Evenings. And I'm chatting to Paul Harrison, who's a senior lecturer at the Deakin Business School. And in fact, there was an article that appeared in 1843 magazine. That's not the vintage. That's the name of the magazine, which is the, uh, the kind of features offshoot of Economist magazine, all about this tactic of unselling, this notion of commercial minimalism. And it was a really um, intriguing topic. We had to get Paul in for a, a broader chat about it. Who is more prone to this unselling campaign if there is a, a, um, a sector of the community um, who might respond best? I think people who are looking for simplicity, I think, again, we might say that they're more likely to be targeted and that's really who they're aiming for. If we think about the different suite of products, so I think about also um, products that are sold in health shops and organic places, if you go in there, there'll be a range of different types of vitamins, for example. Some of them will have, um, you know, yelling at you labels. Other will have, others will have very simple labels or maybe even brown paper packaging. I was in um, a local health food shop or organic food shop recently and it's all brown boxes with you know handwriting on it and again people are drawn to that because it's different um there are examples i think of of winemakers who now have their labels they're not brash and yelling at you again they're very simple they look like they've been handwritten by the the local kind of winemaker and i think again it's the people who think they're looking for something unique and different um but marketing is very much about differentiation finding that customer it could and this is probably less a question than I, I'm, I'm really um, speculating here. 
in that when you go along to a uh, a country fair uh, or there's a, a footy ground that's been put aside on a Saturday and there's a farmer's market that's set up and there's the jam table and you look at the jams and part of the reason you buy these marmalades is because it really does look like the person selling it made it mm. and it has that really kind of homegrown, uh, art, if I can use the word, artisan charm. Is yeah. Is that also... One of the deals, you think, with unselling it, it kind of gets back to that the owner is the maker? Without a doubt. And that artisanal kind of approach is something that businesses have been trying to do. You can look, you can see it in the craft beer market mm. as well with all of the brewers, well, with all of the big um, alcohol companies now buying those craft beer companies but holding on to the brand. Again, you know, like Two Birds, for example, which is just two women brewing beer. That kind of feels like, oh, there's just these two women working away making delicious beer. But in fact, you know, these are big factories making lots of beer. And I think that's, you know, all of these, is just very clever marketing. Look, we're naming names. So if you have been pulled in by an unselling campaign or if there's something that you have found particularly uh, lyrical and uh, clever in uh, commercial uh, uh, strategy, we'd love to hear about it. 0437 774 774. You can text in. In fact, if you can take a photo of uh, a very arch and plain spoken label, that would also be impressive, even if you made it yourself. It's 1300 774. In recent weeks, we've seen lots of uh, communities um, and lots of schools getting behind these uh, commercial fundraisers by making jams, selling cupcakes. It has that beautiful lemonade stall charm Mm. to it. It's almost as though they were the original unsellers. Yeah, and I think, as you say, it is about going back to the the basis of what the, of the product, not the marketing. We're still, you know, what we're we're feeling, and, and you can see that when you go into a supermarket, there are brands that look like they were made, you know, in some in some mum's kitchen or something like that. And it, it is about making people feel as if they're buying something authentic. And the big buzzword in marketing that just makes me cringe is authenticity. <laughs> authenticity. Like I'm just so over it because it's just so inauthentic. <laughs> now, I was in Portugal for a couple of weeks uh, having a holiday and um, there is this place that's just out of Lisbon called Sintra for oh, people Sintra. who... love Sintra. It is. Now, it's, it really was where the, uh, the monarchs used to go to beat the heat of summer and uh, it has these charming gardens and big palace estates and it's really open, open territory for people to wander around. But when you get off the train at uh, Sintra, you are besieged by these tour operators who try and get your business. And everyone is yelling at you. It is actually about as loud and as obstreperous as um, as Portuguese people ever get because they are the most poetic and wonderful people. But the one operator that we went with was the person who was sitting back, being quiet and saying, can I help you? Mm. And I thought, in a way, that's an unselling model. It was not the shout. It was, I am on your side. I am your ally, not your you know, service provider. Yep. Um, is it also about trying to get, um, become a a trusted acquaintance of the consumer? Is that a strategy behind unselling? Look, I think part of it is often about the different segments. So some people don't want to take risks. So people go with things that look familiar. To some degree, you choosing the quiet guy is you taking a risk in a way because you're saying, well, 
you know, there's a whole lot of psychology going on there, but this guy's quiet. You probably process, maybe he's quiet because he's not very good. Maybe he's quiet because he is good. Who knows? And so much decision-making is about avoiding risk. So, so those people who went with the yellers probably would be drawn to them because they're nervous or stressed or impatient or something like that. So a lot of this unselling requires space to be able to say what's going on here, but also strength within your character to say, this is who I am. Like I say, I'm a cynical marketer. The bottom line is that they're still selling stuff to you. It's, You're an it's... authentic marketer. I prefer yeah, okay. to call you. Thank you very now, much. I understand you've uh, had a trip recently to, uh, in fact, South America. Yes. Did you come across any uh, commercial trends there or unselling tactics? Well, it was interesting. I was in Brazil. I was in the south of Brazil. And I did actually wander into a place in um, in, the, in the city of Santa Maria, which is in the south. Um and it was a really interesting place talking about unselling. I couldn't work out what they were selling. That was the first thing. It looked like it was a pharmacy, but it had a whole bunch of other things that you don't sell in pharmacies. And so maybe it was real unselling. They didn't know what they were selling. But up the back, there was something that looked like a laboratory and there were people in white coats making <laughs> solutions and compounds and things. And I still couldn't work out what it was. And it reminded, it me, was... Of, <laughs> it reminded me of the Pons Institute. It was the Pons Institute. <laughs> and, it's, and it's in Brazil. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it was. Did you actually work it out? You know? um, well, it, it, from what I understood, it was a combination of a pharmacy and <laughs> gifts and knickknacks. But, you know, I was there with my partner who's a um, an architect and a designer, and she was saying <laughs> they've really kind of mixed up their ideas in this idea. And, and But, yeah, you know, like we were drawn into it. I don't know if I bought anything. I don't think I did. But they were selling the same kind of unsold products. You know, it was plain labels. It was natural. It was organic. But then it was mixed in with a whole bunch of gifts. And I think, you know, if we're talking about marketing, sometimes if you're launching a new product, you do have to think, will the people understand our offer? And I did not understand that offer at all. Do you think marketing is pretty much um, become a global phenomenon? Do you, do you, is it a case of going to whether it's Brazil or whether it's um, Korea and basically seeing what you see here in the Australian commercial landscape? Or do you actually see different ways of doing things in different cultures when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think, first of all, that um, business and consumption has globalised. So there are things that are consistent, but the way that things are sold and the things that are sold in environments are changing and or, or change depending mm-hmm. on the culture. And as, as a, I mean, my training is in ethnography and, and looking at the ordinary. And so when I go to places, you know, often I'll go to a conference or something and I'll say to my colleagues, I'm just going down to the local supermarket. And they go, what do you need? And I go, no, no, I just want to watch and see how it works. And I think that's a really important thing is to observe the ordinary. As a as a researcher, I think we notice the extraordinary, but I like to sit back and go, okay, so how do they do this? And, you know, for example, um, without getting too carried away, you know, you can go into a service station, for example, in some countries mm-hmm. and, and it looks like a drugstore or it looks like a liquor store, which is different to us, but it's not wrong or right. It's just different. And I think that's the thing that we always have to come to terms with is that people do things differently. Um, it doesn't make it wrong or right. Oh, I love that. Basically, the study of the ordinary, mm. how, the, how the everyday gets it's done. Yeah. There's a lot of detail in the ordinary and it requires time to sit back, put your screens down mm. and just take it all in. And when I holiday or when I travel, 
there's lots of quiet time where I just observe how people interact. And because my area is consumption and, and consumer behaviour, I look at consumption behaviour. So I love to sit in a market, for example, and see how markets play out and how people sell, even if I don't understand the language. Well, have to. I mean, one thing that um, I fell for when I was in Portugal, there was you know no end of sardine cans and, and miniature yeah. trams that one could buy for friends and souvenirs. But the what I ended up buying, and in fact buying uh, in a big way, were these recycled plastic materials that had been put together from by um, a women's um, prison, mm-hmm. and they were made into satchels and totes, and they were very eye-catching. But that had this great, you know, uh, uh, commercial uh, kind of. Um, uh, eco-conscious, yep. eco-conscientious message. Yes. And this is something we should talk about on another time is this whole idea of, you know, that we are as consumers becoming much more aware of, of what impact, hopefully a benevolent one, our consumer dollar will make and how marketers are using that for better or worse, at, whether it's greenwashing or whether it actually is um, legitimate, authentic mm-hmm. selling. Um, did you notice just just to sort of touch on that uh, before we um, uh, before we wrap up? Did you touch on that aspect of of selling and marketing going on in um, even in South America? It is, and it is growing. Um, particularly where I was, it's not a big tourist area, so not a lot of people mm-hmm. of the world get down to the south. It's actually a really interesting place because it's where the German and the Italian immigrants ended up, and so there's a big. You feel sometimes that you're in Europe a lot of the time, um, but it is there, and and this idea of recycling and awareness, but it is. It might be different to the way that we do it. Sometimes it's better, but sometimes I look at it and I go, just the mere fact that there's 250 million people in this country, you know, there's things that that are different to the way that that we do things. 27 past eight. And in fact, some great texts have just come through, Paul. I must share them with you. And this is that uh, um, I find that the new Aldi ads, I mean, we should name names. It's going to be more helpful than not, uh, are very good and very pleasing because they encourage me to go to Aldi. Um, and that's from Greg, who's a former Paul Harris student at Deakin. That's, <laughs> so Aldi certainly has that simplistic, sim, simplistic um, uh, approach. Does. And Luke in Coronet Bay says, showing indifference is like unselling. What do you think about that? Showing as so though they're feigning indifference to the consumer. And that is the kind of postmodern thing. It's, mm. it's, you know, meta. We're in on this. We know that we don't care kind of thing. They know. They're, they're not showing indifference. They're showing, they're wanting to sound different. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things, uh, you know, it, as we finish kind of thing, the Gruen transfer, for example, is this series that's given people this confidence to think that they understand what marketing is, when in fact what, what it does, it's given us overconfidence. And we've got to be always kind of careful that we we don't know what's affecting our behaviour. I, I research this area and a lot of the time I don't know why I do what I do and I, I think we have to be very careful about those kind of being too confident. Thinking that we're too we're too in on the joke. Exactly. A couple more. To, one is, uh, this one is from Adele and Michael in Mentone. They've just uh, shared uh, with us um, the Hawks Lager uh, and of course it's just a a pen drawing of, um, of of Bob there in the circle. It's pretty much it is what you get. And Bob, well known for his consumption of that product. And uh, Haley and Achuka, uh, gents, stripping it back, advertising is selling multiplied by media, whatever the platform. And marketing is providing a place for those sales to happen. Remember, perception is reality. That's, mm. And that's probably the, the point we were just touching on, Haley. Great to have you in, Paul. Look forward to more conversations as the year unfurls. Um, and in fact, uh, maybe even we should do that um, whole sort of eco-conscious uh, consumption and how marketers are using that as a great. possible topic. Excellent. Paul Harrison, Senior Lecturer at the Deakin Business School.
And um, coming up, we're going to be talking about that red rain. Yeah, if you didn't notice it, I'd suggest you go and look at the uh, the floor of uh, of the bus aisle, or maybe even in your um, uh, in your toilet. Dare I say, there's a, a great redness in the water and on the street. What was that about, and where did that come from? Uh, if you noticed any of that red rain or aspects of it that have puzzled you, great opportunity for you to share a story or ask a question. We have got a weather expert coming in. He's also a soil scientist and has one of the most appropriate names, I think, in terms of um, uh, nominative determinism that I've come across. Zero four three seven 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 four seven seven four is the text line. You can call in too if you've got a red rain observation. Thirteen hundred triple two seven seven four. But getting back to those weird bones, this is "Steady My Bones" by Winterbourne.